today's the uh, is we want to celebrate our Sunday school teachers. We're starting kind of the summer program where the kids have activity box for their their activities during the church. But we want to recognize our teachers who have served in the way of teaching children. I think back to the Sunday school teachers that I had. I remember my Sunday school teachers in the first, second, and third grade and the impact they had on my life and the blessing that they gave me. So I feel very thankful to Sunday school teachers. And you'll see listed in your worship folder the Sunday school teachers. Some of them could be here today, not all of them. But if you're here, I invite you to stand. Nicole and Trevor, Tish and Audra, Tessa and Hannah, Angel and McKenna, Kelly and Megan, Amber and Isabella, and Becky. Stand, those who are here. So let's uh, give a hand to them. We appreciate you. Thank you for serving in this way. It makes a difference in the lives of our students and kids to have that impact where they hear the word of God and the truth of the scriptures in their own level. So thank you for serving in this way. We really appreciate you. Well, it is Confirmation Sunday, and so one of the great things of Confirmation Sunday is we get to hear from our Confirmation students. And you'll see uh, listed our Confirmation students. Isabella Weiss is our second-year student who's being confirmed today. And then Trevor and Hannah, who are our first-year students. And uh, unfortunately, Hannah's family was sick today, and so everyone is uh, not feeling well, so they aren't able to be with us. But Trevor and Isabella are here, so we're going to have a chance to hear from them. And confirmation here at Bethel Covenant is a two-year course. It was really put together by Pastor Todd. He did a really nice job of Old Testament, New Testament, and how the Scripture stories speak to us. And so studying the Scriptures, hearing the stories, interacting with them, they've done a good job of learning about them. The last couple months, it's my privilege to kind of stand it, step in and just continue what Pastor Todd got started. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a, uh, just hear a little bit of one of the stories that they worked on. And Trevor's going to start, and so he's going to come and share his story, a story that he picked that he thought would be really, he really enjoyed. And so we're going to let Trevor share that with you. My name is Trevor, and I had to choose a passage that stood out to me, and I chose Exodus 7 through 12. Exodus 7 through 12 is about these plagues that happened in Egypt to the Egyptians that showed that, they, that these Israelites have the one and only God. There are ten plagues all based on the different gods and goddesses of Egypt. There are ten plagues, the water of the Nile on of the Nile to blood on day one. On day two, all the land was filled with frogs. On day three, all of Egypt was swarming with gnats. On day four, all the houses of the officials and the people of the Egypt houses were filled with flies. On the fifth day, all the livestock and people had big fashion boils all over. On the seventh day, a massive hailstorm swept over the land, destroying crops. On the um, eighth day, locusts filled the land, devouring every crop in sight. On the ninth day, darkness fell over the land, and only darkness. On the tenth day, Moses went around announcing to slaughter your best lamb and feast on it that night. 
Then smear the blood of the lamb around the door frame, or your firstborn child will be killed. Then that night the angel of death will kill any first child in the house with people without blood on their door frame. That today is known as Passover. I chose this story because I liked and that I learned about it in my history class. The passage was intriguing because you were always wondering what the next plague would be and what was going to happen because of the next plague. This tells me that God was trying to prove himself or show that he exists to Israelites. This shows that people who people won't believe he is real until they are are proven otherwise. The passage told me that follow, the people that follow God will listen to him. They think he is the most important thing on this planet. They will follow him and listen to him, even if this sounds crazy. Throughout the story, it is telling me to follow God, listen to him, because he knows what is right for me, even if it, things will turn out good. Hannah submitted her paper ahead of time, so I'm going to read what she put together. And she reflected on the story from Noah's Ark. And she, Hannah says, I chose to do my project on Noah's Ark because it's my favorite Bible story. God is flooding the world to kill off all the humans. He's chosen Noah, the man with no sin in his family, to live. He orders Noah to build a giant ark and to gather male and female pair of each animal and bring them onto the boat with him and his family. After Noah was all prepared and God started the flood, all the other humans and animals died. Once God succeeded and the flood was over, Noah then let the animals go. Noah built an altar and sacrificed clean animals. I think the story shows that God's not afraid to punish those who do and show evil. To get rid of the evil, God killed off the, all the humans besides Noah and his family. God will save those who follow and worship him. My favorite part of this Bible story is when they are on the boat. It's interesting that Noah was able to build an lar ark large enough to fit two of each species of animals. A part of Noah's ark that uh, I wasn't exactly sure about, Hannah says, is what, to sacrifice the animals. And I'll put a parenthesis in there for the forgiveness of sins because sin must be shed. But what I understand from this, Hannah says, that is to follow God and do good, God will then pass that good unto you. So that's Hannah's. And then we have our second-year student, Isabella. And in honor of Isabella, everyone's invited after church downstairs for a, a lunch that has been provided. So everyone's invited to celebrate Isabella's confirmation, and so it's a special thing here at Bethel Covenant. So Isabella's going to come and share what she put together and wrote, and so we look forward to that. Thank you, Isabella. If you didn't know, I am finishing confirmation, and if you think about it, I've just started my journey with God, with me being only 14. My life has just begun, but the past two years of confirmation has really got my relationship with the Lord started up. Before starting my classes, I really didn't have a great relationship with, the, with God or understanding how I was supposed to. I prayed here and then with my mom. We said grace at family gatherings and read the children's Bible. I went to church and Sunday school, but I was not as connected as I am now. The beginning of my classes in 2020 were mostly due online due to COVID, once a month through Zoom. Pastor Todd was very helpful 
in keeping us going on reading the Bible and answering our questions. My journey became closer to Jesus really when Pastor Todd had us read the New Testament. And if you haven't read the Bible before, the New Testament is mainly about Jesus' life, birth to to death, and his followers. The stories of the New Testament are repetitive. I remember reading a couple stories where Jesus helped, in one, helped a blind man, and the other a paralyzed man. Man. These were two different stories, but they had the same baseline, where they came to town and helped that ill person, came to town and helped an ill person release the sickness. I thought it was crazy, but, (laughs) I thought it was crazy, but amazing. Now, these are all memories from over a year ago, but they were fascinating as well. I have at least 20 to 30 post-its in my Bible, just little notes and curious thoughts. I even remember researching about a flute where it's, and then I looked up where, when were flutes made, and it said they were made in the upper Paleophotic period, about 43,000 years ago, and in reality, humans have been on Earth maybe one million years, counting uncivilized humans. But for a flute to be made only 43,000 years ago isn't that long, and gives us a baseline of where they were talking about, which I find really interesting. I came to know Jesus by attending church, Bible camp, and confirmation classes. We do pray as a family and talk about God, but it's through ter- attending church. Here, and with my grandma, I started to feel Jesus in my heart. My dad was recently diagnosed with cancer, and it's very unsure, unsuring time and scary to think about him being s- sick. But I have faith in God that he will heal him, and it's been a very strange two years with COVID and a lots of other things that sh- changed in my life. God has shown me although life can be hard and always changing, that he's constant in our life. I would like to continue to grow my faith by expanding my knowledge as a Christian student. I would, I do like, I do like to learn about history, and so far, that part of confirmation has intrigued me. The Bible brings up interesting stories, and I get intrigued as well, because I love history. The Bible has so many stories representing the past and how we should handle life's changes under God's direction. I would like to use God as I grow up and be more of a role model for other kids to turn to him and live with him through my life. The Bible verse, Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you whenever you go. This connects to me because even though these past few years have been very difficult for not only me and my family, as, ev- as well as, as everyone else with all the challenges, this says to me, stay strong and look forward and go to God. I've been to a lot of churches with my grandma. To these, I've been to beautiful churches with my grandma where they were huge and they really showed how much God's people care about him. Me personally, I would like to grow even more than I have, but more importantly, I would like to help others grow and learn God like I did. With my brothers only being four and a half years younger than me, they'll be in the same position as me and I hope to get close to the Lord. I hope they get close to the Lord just like I am. We're going to ask that Isabella kneel here and that her family and friends who are here to celebrate her would gather around her and could lay hands on her. And I will lead us in prayer for Isabella in her graduation from confirmation. It's wonderful to be surrounded by family and friends and the church body. So let's join our hearts together and pray for Isabella. 
Oh, Lord God, we come before you on this Confirmation Sunday. And Lord, thank you, Lord, for Isabella. Thank you, Lord, as she shared her faith in Jesus Christ and how she, even in this confirmation with Pastor Todd's great work and the work of this church, Lord, that she's in her family, that she's come to the knowledge of Jesus as her Lord and Savior. So, Lord, we celebrate Isabella and her faith in Christ. Thank you for her and her family and for friends, Lord, and those who surround her in love. We praise you for that. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to be at work in her life as she shared in her, in her paper. Lord, these past two years have been unusual for all of us and certainly for Isabella in school and in confirmation. We thank you, Lord, that even through it, Lord, you've been at work to help her grow closer to you. So we celebrate and thank you for her faith in Jesus Christ. Help her to continue to grow in trusting in you for all areas of life. Lord, in sports and music and activities and, and studies. Lord, may she know your presence. Lord, for her desire to expand her understanding, may she continue to learn, Lord, so that learning can create that foundation for growth in her life. Lord, she has tremendous potential. Potential in life and most importantly, potential as a follower of Jesus Christ. And we ask that, Lord, that she would be able to realize this. Your spirit would fill her with knowledge and understanding. So, Lord, that she can maximize all that you have given her for Christ. For her gifts, thank you. Thank you that she's a blessing to her family and friends. And we ask that you would continue to use her in this way. And for her desire to be useful, Lord, even as a role model for her brothers and others, Lord, may you grant her this desire. So we ask, Father, that you would bless Isabella, that you would help and enable her to grow, to develop, to mature, to reach, Lord, and become all that you want her to be. Lord, we share with Isabella from Joshua 1.9. May she be strong in all of life, and may she be courageous in what you call her to do. May she never be afraid, but always leaning and trusting on you. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Isabella. What a joy and glorious thing it is to see the next generation following Jesus Christ. Praise God for students and for children who are growing in that, and for the church that supports and encourages that. That is such a great thing. Well, we continue on in our, our journey and finish up our journey in 1 Corinthians 15 today. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 57, as we've been studying on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to read, a, read that, those verses for us right now. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 57. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. 
When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. May God add his insight and blessing to this word. Erwin McManus is a, is a pastor. And you might be surprised, even though he didn't grow up in Minnesota, he was a fan of the Minnesota Vikings. Now, for those of you who are Packer fans, which I know a lot of you are, you don't understand the Vikings because we lose all the time. And so you don't have that experience. Well, we, in the 70s, we lost four Super Bowls. And McManus was a fan of the Vikings. And after losing all this, he decided he was done with that. And he decided he was going to cheer for whoever wins. And so when the Super Bowl comes around, they say, who are you cheering for? He says, I'll let you know when the game's over. <laughs> that way, his team always wins. His team never loses anymore. He always comes up winner. Well, you're always a winner in McManus's approach. Always a winner. But in life, can that really be our approach to life? Can we just say, well, whatever wins, that's the approach I'm going to take? Well, with jobs and in family and sickness, it doesn't always work that way. We can't choose the family we're born into. We can't always work at the ideal company. Or we don't have necessarily all the talents that we wish we had. Or our health circumstances. The developments of what's going on in the world. Upon careful reflection, none of us can be winners all the time in life in whatever they choose to do. That's the reality of life that we live in. Sometimes we win, but sometimes we lose. That's the experience we have. It doesn't work to say, I'm just always going to be on the winning side. But you know, there's one place that ultimately counts where we can say we're always on the winning side, and that's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul doesn't speak about our teams or about our life. He speaks about the most important thing in life about we can be on the winning side. We can have victory through Jesus Christ, through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. That even in life, and we face death, we can find success, find victory through Jesus Christ. Paul makes it clear that the only victory that ultimately matters is through Jesus and that ultimate battle. And that you and I can be a victor forever through faith in Jesus Christ because of his death his sacrifice for us in his resurrection. Through and only through Jesus Christ, we can share in that ultimate victory. But let's look at a couple things in this passage that Paul talks about that makes us into ones who share in his victory. Remade in his return. We can be remade in Jesus' return. That's what he says in verses 50 through 52, where he says, as I've read before, I tell you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. But rather, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of eye at the last trumpet, for the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. We have to be remade. We have to be people who are changed and formed into ones who can share in the victory of Jesus Christ. Maybe an example, a black hole. A black hole is that which is so dense that even light itself can't escape it. 
that it's just dense. Death, we could say, is like a black hole. A black hole where death is, just takes everything and because all of us who live one day will die. Everyone dies, the rich, whether you're rich, talented, famous, you're average, you're a winner or loser, whatever, everyone dies. But praise God in Jesus Christ, God changes the equation. He holds the message that we need to hear, that we've seen already in 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, raised on the third day, all according to the scriptures. And Jesus has done the work necessary to make the change, to make the change where death no longer has the grip or hold over us. We could say that Jesus has broken through the black hole of death. He's defeated it. Where the, the black hole of death no longer has power over you and me because of what Jesus has done. This is tremendous news for all of us who are in Christ. That's the victory of the resurrection that can be, be ours. His power makes the densest, biggest black hole nothing more than a mere pinhole. Paul says Jesus shares this victory through, with us when we put our faith and trust in him. He changes us, and he changes us so we can share in this. To, to share in this, we must be changed. That's what he's saying. He's saying in these verses that for us to share this eternal victory in Christ, eternal life, heaven, victory over death, we have to be changed. We can't do it in these bodies that we have. We must be people changed. This is human efforts to save ourselves. They just It doesn't line up. It doesn't work right. We fall short. Because you know what? These bodies are perishable, even if you're young, if you're young and energetic. But you know, over time, all of us grow and develop. Isabella will grow and develop and change. But all of us get to the point where we have to be changed to be ready for the eternal. For the resurrection demands new skin. The perishable, these human bodies, can't inherit the imperishable. It's not possible with what we're presently clothed in the current condition of flesh and blood. None of us in our own selves can inherit the kingdom of God in ourselves because we must be changed. So because of sin, we need new skin. We need to be changed, to be wrapped in something new. And as this happens, God has done this for us. Even as we grow up, mature, develop, we need to be changed. By displaying what different clothes, being wrapped in something new, having that transforming power of God at work in our lives, in our flesh, in our bodies. How will God do this? What does verse 52 say? That we'll be changed. Look at verse 52. It says, In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. When God changes it, he can do it immediately. Now, if you want to change your appearance or your body, you know, you, you can say, okay, I'm going to work on losing a few pounds. And so you cut back and eat less or you start exercising. And over time, you can change and reshape your body. You can reshape your mind by studying. But it takes time and it's gradual. But what God does when he's changed us, it's something completely different. We're changed. In what? In an instant. Because God, by his power, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, he can change us. And he changes us in what? An instant, in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. And in the original, it's the, 
they used the word atomus in Greek, which is the smallest particle they knew. In other words, saying in the smallest possible time. The trumpet here is the signal of the king's arrival for the final work of salvation and judgment. And when that call is given, the day when Christ returns, bringing forth the new heaven and earth, in that moment when Christ returns, when the dead are raised, we will be changed. That which is perishable, our human bodies, flesh and blood, will now be clothed with the imperishable. The new resurrection body that's not bound by the frailties of our world. Paul instructs us and says, we will be changed. And we must be changed for what God is doing in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be changed. At the last trumpet, when the trumpet sounds for the judgment of Christ, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. Everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ will be changed when God returns in the person of Jesus Christ. In a flash, the twinkling of eye at the last trumpet. Trumpet sounds, the dead will be raised, and we will be changed. And we must be changed for what God has for us. The change of both body and soul, the, the material and immaterial part of who we are, changed into what's necessary for that eternal state, God's kingdom, eternal kingdom. For the resurrection body is imperishable. What we have now is perishable. What we will have is imperishable. That's the change he's talking about and what God has done for us in Christ. This is and must happen for us to realize Christ's victory. Realize that we can't dwell with God as we are now. We must be people are changed. We must be remade into his image. Let's say you got invited to a big gala, a big ball. And, you know, this was a black tie, fancy dress type thing. Now, this dress may be a little over the top, you might say. I don't know, but it might be. Some of you might have one like this in the closet. But, you know, if you're invited to something fancy, you can't go in your average everyday duds, can you? No, you have to get what's right, what will work. We must change into what is acceptable in this big gala affair. Well, the same holds true in a relationship with God. We must be changed into the new skin, that imperishable bodies for our eternal life with Jesus Christ. That's why we must be changed. You grasp it from what he's saying. Changed by Christ on earth for this life and changed by Christ in the resurrection for eternal life. And apart from the work and the redemption of Christ, apart from faith in Jesus, we won't be changed. But in him, through faith, we are remade. We're made new. And our victory is changed through Jesus Christ. And when I put your faith in him, you are set on that course where God will remake us anew and give us new skin, that glorified body, that resurrection body like Jesus has, remade in his return. Well, Paul goes on to say not only that, but death will be defeated. Death will be defeated. What we know, death and destruction, it will end. And when will this happen? When will the perishable be clothed with the imperishable? When will we receive our resurrection bodies? At the moment of Christ's return. Look what he says in 54 and 55 of this text. Paul goes on to write, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable. These earthly bodies are remade and receive the new imperishable bodies. And the mortal, that which is limited time, receives immortality, we can never die. Then the saying that is written has come true, that death 
has been swallowed up in victory. What a joy of what will take place. What, you, what we need can't be found at Amazon or Walmart or Target or your favorite store, but only through the work of Jesus Christ. Satan is against us. Satan is our enemy. Death is opposed to us. And all that Satan wants to do is to destroy, to separate people from God. And, and as we see death, it's still the enemy today. But praise God, through the resurrection of Christ, not only has Jesus defeated death, but he's sharing it with us. So that death as a self, as an entity, one day will no longer exist. And this will be true for all who are in Christ, who live by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is telling us the reality that death isn't the end for you and me. Our death will be defeated, specifically for you and me, for all who are in Christ, from every nation, language, tribe, and tongue, through all generations, those who have followed Jesus, death will be defeated. Whether they lived and died a martyr's death, whether they lived a short time or nearly a long time, everyone whose faith in Jesus Christ shares in this victory for what God has done for us in Christ. Because what? Jesus wins. Death has been defeated. Hallelujah. God has defeated death. The victory of Jesus is now complete. The mystery of what God says in verse 52 of what he has done, that in a flash and twinkling of eye the last trumpet, this is what's taking place when Jesus returns and calls his people home. And death then, as we know it's defeated, but then we will see it completely dead and gone. The victory of Christ will now be complete, and death has found its defeat. Death will no longer ever rob us of children or youth. Death will no longer snatch a mom, a dad, brother, or sister. Death will not hold sway over seniors in our midst. Death will be gone. It will be nothing but history. It will be done away with, defeated, robbed of its power. The scriptures talk about this in several ways. Revelation 20, the story that's been revealed to us of the times of the end. Then death and Hades, the place of the dead, were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is a second death. Where even death itself is being destroyed and it no longer is part of the existence that we have. And the prophet Isaiah said this same thing. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And we could say we can dance on death's grave, that imagery of dancing on death's grave, because it's removing this evil power in our midst, the death of death. Think about that. There is a time in the future where death will be destroyed. It will be the death of death. It will never be anything else we have to experience again. You know, in our world, just because you remove an evil power doesn't mean ever, all the problems go away. We see this in Russia with Putin. Just if, if something were to happen to Putin and God removes him, it doesn't mean that everything's going to go back to a good state. There may be others who come around him who have the same idea. This is the world we experience, but God is saying it's different in eternity because death will be defeated and there's no longer anything else, other death or thing to come up against us. God removes hate, sin, death. Not just removes it, but he throws it into Hades, a place of eternal destruction, and destroys it 
So it has no place in the future for us forever. God's power is so great that nothing evil can be found or allowed in his presence. He will destroy all of that so we can share and enjoy his eternal presence forever. This is true for Isabella and Trevor. It's true for you and me as we follow Jesus Christ. This is the glorious day of the Lord that awaits all of us who have faith in Jesus Christ. The death of death. It will cease to exist. Death has been swallowed up in victory. So remade in his return, he shapes us into the imperishable, the immortal. Death would be defeated. And then thirdly, we share in Jesus' supremacy. We get to share in the glory of God in his victory. Paul is so certain of victory in verses 55 and 57. He quotes from Hosea. Hosea in the Old Testament prophet says, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from the death. World death are your plagues. World grave is your destruction. And we see Paul uses that and brings it to the New Testament. When the perishable has been clothed in the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And then he goes on and almost taunts it. World death is your victory. World death is your sting. And what does he say? He says, okay, in a sense, Paul's standing over death, asking the hard questions of it, because he knows through Jesus Christ the limitations that death has. The sting, if you've been stung by a wasp or bee, we know that hurts, a sting, it hurts. But, you know, it's just for a time, and then it goes away. And Paul is saying, you may sting us here for a while, but God has the ultimate victory. And so that you have no power over us. There's limitations. You have no victory. Your sting will last for a short time, but in Christ we have the eternal life. By peppering death with questions, Paul is showing its weaknesses and its emptiness for the future. He's basically saying, you know what, death? You got nothing on us. In Christ, we are freed. We have victory over you. And Paul's saying, death, you have no hold on me. You have no power over me. You have no future for me. You have no fear for me. I am Christ by faith. The battle has been fought, and guess what? Death lost. Death lost the battle. Christ has been victorious. His supremacy, his power, his reign is seen in his great victory over sin and death. This is not a single localized victory in a war. This is the grand battle conclusion of the war. The war to end all wars. Death has lost, and in Christ, we are free. We have victory through Jesus Christ. The battle is fought, death lost. Jesus has supremacy over it all, and all of us in him share that through faith. But thanks be to God, verse 57, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That victory, that sharing, being the ultimate winner, that eternal winner, is how? Through Jesus Christ. And God gives it to us through faith. Jesus has accomplished it. We get to share in it through faith. Thanks be to God, he gives us, he gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is that ultimate victory that we share through what God has done for us through Jesus under the law, death wins. He goes, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. In other words, under the law, if we're just under the law, we have to be perfect, and we fall short. 
But Jesus took our sins on the cross, lived in perfection, accomplished and fulfilled the law. And by his grace and mercy, he shares it with us. So Paul can say without a doubt of hesitation, thanks be to God for the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures teach us what? We're on the winning side. Our victory is over death and sin. They lose our crushed and victory is ours. In the end, it makes a difference how we live. Whether we live by faith, obedience, and trust in Christ and follow him, or if we live to self. Losers are those who live to themselves because death will win. But winners are those who live in Christ. It's what we want for Isabella as a confirmant to live as she shared for Christ today and every day. And this is what we, the blessings we have as winners who are, live in Christ, we have love, not hate. We have life, not death. We have redemption, not hell. We have Jesus rather than Satan. And it's we are part of the winners rather than being lost in sin. Victory comes through Jesus. Look at that verse 57. You may be discouraged today. Take verse 57 and meditate it on this, meditate on it this week. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Even if you're a Vikings fan, you can have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. And I'm a living testimony to that. Jesus has given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to live in that victory? Then follow Christ. Put your faith in him. Walk by him so you can share in this. Because who you trust in this life would change your eternity. Trust in the resurrected Christ. He is supreme and has achieved the victory that he shares with us. Our victory is in the resurrected Jesus Christ for now and evermore. Amen. Oh, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you have defeated death and that you will remake us and make us right for our eternal home in heaven. Lord, help us to be a people who live into your victory through Jesus, our precious Savior and Lord. We ask these things. Amen.